I'm Kendall Giles, and this is the Techno Slipstream Podcast, where we explore what you need to know about the intersection of science, technology, and society. This is Episode 9. Today, the tech world is known for a huge gender gap, massively underemploying women in technical positions. There are lots of reasons for this gap, but sometimes pathological corporate cultures are a big factor, such as the one alleged to be at the gaming company Activision Blizzard. This month, and I'm recording this episode in July 2021, the state of California announced a lawsuit against the company for a consistent and persistent corporate frat boy and harassment culture. I won't go into the details here, but if you type the company's name Activision and Cube Crawl into a search engine, you can read more about why women think twice about choosing technical careers. But the larger point is that there are systemic biases in the tech industry, not only in who can participate, but also how we view technology and how the design and engineering gets done. Back in episode Five of this podcast, we focused on how algorithms are more than just code, how we can get ourselves into trouble in the ways we teach coders and engineers. Algorithms are much more than just bits and bytes of running code, especially in automation systems. As a result of the way we traditionally teach coders and engineers today, as well as due to who the engineers are, we see many systems and products that are problematic For example, because of biases, coders and engineers bake into the algorithms themselves. So as a way to help us start to view technology and our relationship to it differently, we'll dig into a classic text called A Cyborg Manifesto by Donna Haraway. This text proposes a new perspective to help shake us out of our traditional problematic ways of viewing technology. We'll also look at a more recent article by Kelly Wagman and Lisa Parks that builds on the piece by Donna Haraway, as well as the work of others, to give us two challenges to designers to consider when designing technology as a way to help overcome traditional design limitations. Okay, let's dive in. First up, we'll discuss a cyborg manifesto by Donna Haraway. Haraway is a distinguished professor emerita in the History of Consciousness Department, as well as the Feminist Studies Department at UC Santa Cruz. Her research mostly focused on bridging science, technology, and feminism, often writing from a postmodernist point of view. She is considered a foundational voice within science, technology, and society, and has also been a strong voice in the HCI, or human-computer interaction communities. Haraway's article, A Cyborg Manifesto, is contained in the book Simeon's Cyborgs and Women. That book contains a collection of her essays written between 1978 and 1989, including not only A Cyborg Manifesto, but also Situated Knowledges, The Science Question in Feminism and the Privilege of Partial Perspective. I considered working through both articles in the podcast, but just for brevity's sake, we'll stick with 
a cyborg manifesto. Haraway first published this article in 1985, and the article is at times theoretical and at times mythological. She set her work within the science, technology, and society, or STS tradition, of viewing technological artifacts as being not politically neutral, as we've mentioned in previous podcast episodes. Technological artifacts are created within networks of relations between people and other technologies, as, for example, we discussed, especially in Episode 7. She also centered her work by focusing on the asymmetrical relationship societies have long had regarding gender, that women are naturally weak, that women are subservient to men, etc. For example, I can remember watching on television some 30 years ago where the novelty was the doll Barbie having the ability to speak. With Alexa devices today, pretty ubiquitous, that doesn't seem like much of a big deal. But back then, 30 years ago, it attracted a lot of attention. That was a very popular technology and a very popular toy. So what did the company Mattel have Barbie say with all of this advanced technology? Little girls with their Barbie dolls would be told over and over, actually, from Barbie's mouth, how hard math class was. So even from childhood, there was a cultural norm being reinforced with math standing in for today's STEM. Girls learned that technology is just too hard for them. By the time women got to college, if any women decided to give engineering a try, they were sometimes met with male engineering faculty resistant to the idea of there being women engineers. I was an electrical engineering undergraduate, and I can remember my own female engineering classmates sometimes having a really difficult time with male professors who thought they didn't belong. In fact, electrical engineering, or EE, for too many female students came to be known as eventually education, meaning the female engineers would soon transfer from the electrical engineering program to the elementary education program. Haraway's idea is to use the cyborg as the model or metaphor to shape our relationship and understanding not only of technology, but also of each other. Towards this, she says, By the late 20th century, our time, a mythic time, we are all chimeras, theorized, and fabricated hybrids of machine and organism. In short, we are cyborgs. Her idea is to break the traditional hierarchies we've long held, for example, between humans and technology, and between men and women. In Haraway's view, technologies are not just tools. They are not the objects to our subjects. Since cyborgs are part human, part machine, she's essentially saying that humans and technologies are combined, with the idea being that if we have that realization, perhaps we will be more thoughtful or mindful or intentional in how we design the technologies if we really understand how integrated we are to the technologies. And similarly for gendered relationships, the cyborg is the ultimate other in that it is neither male, female, animal, or machine. The cyborg is another category altogether. I think with the cyborg, she also hopes to eliminate a lot of the traditional baggage around male-female hierarchical relationships. Finally, I also think the cyborg model helps bypass a lot of the identity politics that has splintered various feminist efforts in the past. 
The move is more to build coalitions rather than to divide, to move beyond traditional limitations and perceptions. Identity, to Haraway, is more about affinity than patriarchal, hierarchical, or essentialist classifications. Countering the goddess movement in some feminist circles, for example, Haraway said, I would rather be a cyborg than a goddess. Now, with phrases like, the boundary between science fiction and social reality is an optical illusion, the cyborg metaphor is clearly evocative and the article is overall hopeful. And Haraway has had a lasting influence across many disciplines. However, you will not find within the article guidance for actual implementation or structure for creating the better future it points to. The writing style of the article is purposely evasive, allowing for multiple interpretations, which is possibly one reason for its success and staying power. But for a more concrete example of where one might take a cyborg manifesto, let's now turn to our next deep dive article. The article, Beyond the Command, Feminist, STS Research, and Critical Issues for the Design of Social Machines, was written by Kelly Wagman and Lisa Parks, and it was published in January 2021. Kelly Wagman is a PhD student in computer science at the University of Chicago, and she has a master's in comparative media studies at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Lisa Parks is professor of comparative media studies, and science, technology, and society at MIT. Her work focuses on satellite technologies and global media, critical studies of media infrastructures, and media militarization and surveillance. She is also director of MIT's Global Media Technologies and Cultures Lab. What I like about this article is that they position their look at technical design practices, which, as we've been noting all along, Throughout this podcast series, there are many issues and concerns there within feminist science and STS perspectives. And they do this not so much from a negative or critical approach. There are these harmful practices and issues in technological design, but from a positive or constructive approach. Here are suggestions for making this system or practices better. In specific, they challenge the following contemporary and societal assumptions. That machines are politically neutral. That machines cannot form social relationships. That machines do not have agency. That humans should control machines. And that there is a clear boundary between human and machine. They begin by giving an overview of where we have been regarding human-machine relations. And let me just note here that their use of the word machine, as opposed to computer, technology, or robot, is intentional and is a usage I quite like. In addition to drawing heavily from Haraway, they also draw on other scholars such as Ruth Schwartz-Cohen, Anne Balsamo, Judith Butler, and Lucy Suchman to show how historically we have designed technologies from the perspective of and to privilege men's concerns at the expense of women's concerns. With that understanding, their goal is to attempt to create more inclusive and equitable human-machine relations by critiquing, in specific, the technical design stage. While adding more diversity to the technical workforce community is a good start, the authors say more needs to be done 
since workforce adjustments do not address structural issues in the design process itself. The process of questioning assumptions about the world that are so dominant that they have become naturalized, for instance, that humans and machines are fundamentally separate categories, or that humans should control machines, is conceptually challenging, but ultimately leads to far greater design opportunities because it removes constraints that predetermine how things should be. Their method for questioning the assumptions about the world regarding human relationships is to first interrogate past such assumptions. In examining the literature in robotics, for example, they found four dominant categories for human-machine relations. One, humans perceive robots are just tools, such as the information kiosk. Two, humans perceive robots as human companions, such as the humanoid caregiver robots being created to assist in senior care facilities. Three, humans perceive robots as animals or creatures, such as Tamagotchis and Furbies. And four, humans perceive robots as slaves, such as the Amazon Alexa. To overcome the limitations of these past human-robot relationships, they next propose a new model for design social machines as agential and equitable others. As we've discussed in previous episodes regarding AI and automation systems, for example, by agency, they mean social machines that can act and interact in the world independently, sense the world around them, and make decisions that cause or affect change in the world. And by other, they mean a conceptual category distinct from humans and animals. Obviously, based on the first segment of this episode, it is here that they are drawing heavily on Haraway's cyborg work. With their model, they are working closer towards, in part, an implementation of Haraway's vision. It's not yet implemented. More work needs to be done by them and others. But they do leave us with two design challenges for crafting these social machines as agential and equitable others. You can imagine these design challenges as suggestions that, if implemented by technology designers, would get us closer to an actual implementation of Haraway's vision. Design challenge number one is titled Non-Anthropomorphic Figuration. By non-anthropomorphic figuration, the authors mean we should seek designs in technology that break our instinct to project human appearances or characteristics into the designs of our systems by default without thinking critically about the possible implications. For example, by designing the Amazon Alexa with a subservient female voice that always responds attentively and politely to any command, even commands shouted in anger, the Alexa design models previous slavery, patriarchy, and misogynistic relationships to others that males have assumed throughout history. Their point is that designing technologies based on those relationships can't be healthy for society. Design Challenge 2 is titled Relations of Mutuality. As we discussed previously in describing the four human-robot relationship patterns, by relations of mutuality, the authors are targeting the traditionally one-sided relations we design into our technologies. Continuing with our Amazon Alexa Example, Alexa is clearly subservient to the user. The relationship is one-sided. 
In technology design, there's an entire field named human-computer interaction, and its purpose is to shape and study the best ways to design technologies so that humans can use the technology's interfaces better, such as being able to get information from a kiosk more quickly because of a simple and clean user interface. But the authors are suggesting, rather than just viewing technology design from an interface standpoint, how best can we interact with the device, the object, instead we might consider a human-machine integration approach, where the machine is thought more as a collaborating peer-other rather than as a device to be used. Again, these are just design suggestions. They would have to actually be implemented in actual technology designs before this vision could be realized. But the social machine model proposed by Wagman and Parks does seem to get us closer to the hopeful mythology sketched in Haraway's Cyborg Manifesto. And with that, we wrap up Episode 9 of the Techno Slipstream Podcast. Thank you for listening, and please be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help make sure this podcast stays on the air, consider heading over to patreon.com slash Giles to our Patreon page to sign up. In addition to supporting the show, on Patreon you can sign up to get the show transcripts, including links to the articles and books discussed in each episode, as well as other writings. In any case, again, thanks for listening, and until next time, I'll see you in the Techno Slipstream.